This is Steve Robbins. Welcome to the Business Explained podcast, which you can find on the web at podcast.steverrobbins.com. The love of money isn't the root of all evil. Arithmetic is the root of all evil, or more specifically, counting. So don't get me wrong. Counting was a wonderful invention. It has its uses. We can keep track of kids. Hmm, are all five kids here? Let's see. One, two, three, four. Where's Billy? We can also keep track of time. Billy's working overtime in the salt mines, honey. Instead of 12 hours, he's working 14 hours today. So he'll be home at 8, 9, 10. Yes, at 10 p.m. And we can also use counting to keep track of money. He gets paid $1.49 an hour working overtime. So our bank balance will be 1137, 1237, $13.86 after Billy gives us our share. In fact, they remind us over and over in MBA school that what gets measured gets managed. So where's the problem? This is this is evil. This gave us the industrial friggin' revolution. It sounds great. Well, but the problem starts when we choose what to measure, because we often measure stuff that doesn't lead to our goal and then expect the measuring to somehow magically create the managing. Do you want profit? Great. Let's count expenses. So tell all managers to submit weekly reports of their team's expenses. Let's call it a TPS report. And then we'll count how many TPS reports people send to make sure they're doing their job. And by the way, their job just silently morphed from running a profitable business to submitting TPS reports. Well, whoopee, we've added a whole layer of useless counting and then another layer to count who is and isn't counting. Since we don't actually know what to do with the silly TPS report, we slide further and further from profitability because we're counting the wrong thing. Oh, how about sick days? Now, th sick days are a hoot. You only get six sick days. Nice. Like, that's controllable. If you're sick for seven days, what, come on in and give it to everyone else in the department so everyone has to take six days off? You can measure six days, but the measure is useless, right? We also make up measurements that mean nothing, and then we try to manage those. <clears throat> Let's rank our employees. Then we can fire the bottom 10%. Now, this sounds easy. This isn't easy. Sadly, however, it is a much-publicized Jack Welch policy from General Electric. So how much time will managers spend on this ranking exercise? And by the way, do they apply consistent standards that are directly related to the company's goals? Do we fire the 10% of managers whose ranking skills are in the bottom 10%? And if so, who decides that? Ranking is hard, really hard. In fact, in 1963, the psychologist George Miller published a paper, The Magic Number 7 Plus or Minus 2, where he presented results showing that people can make ranking distinctions between five to nine items, and then we pretty much lose track. If you think you can accurately rank a 250-person department, you're diluted and thus in the bottom 10%. So it's time to pack your bags. Even if you can rank, though, can you use the rankings for action? Right? We want to punt the bottom 10% of the company. Well, we can't really compare an accountant to a design engineer. So our fresh new Hereford MBA, Darren, suggests that why don't we eliminate 10% of each department? That way it will add up to 10% of the company. Right. But what if our 30 design engineers rock while our 30 accountants all suck eggs? As a company, we would want to fire six accountants, which is 10% of 60 employees, and no design engineers. But firing 10% of each department means that we leave three mediocre accountants and 
three design engineers get out of work. That's clearly wrong, but we get one benefit. We do know now that Darren didn't understand the logic of firing, so we know he's in the bottom 10% and should be fired. Success! We have at least one confirmed cost saving from the exercise. So I know you're asking, what in heaven's name does this have to do with spirituality, morality, and or the rest of our lives? And by the way, if you weren't asking that, just don't worry, go with the flow. So here's where the evil comes in. We only measure things so we can make decisions about the measurements and then change our behavior. And we do this by judging the measurements as good or bad. When we're measuring a trend we call bad, we panic. We're afraid, we're angry, we get frustrated, we get anxious, we get mean, we get jealous, violent, nasty. But how do people act when they feel anxious, mean, jealous, violent, and nasty? Right? Fortunately, we live in a highly evolved society, so we meditate for five minutes, do some yoga, and we're fine. Not most people want to get rid of the bad feelings, so they fudge the numbers and play financial games. Think Enron. Some people hit something. Some people treat everyone around them like crap, and some people blame others. Yes, blame. They blame colleagues. Sales are down. Sally distracted me, so I lost the big prospect. They blame loved ones. I went over my sick day quota since I had to take Billy to treatment for his black lung disease. And they blame the government. If it weren't for the Republicans, liberals, whatever, uh, the economy, the occupation, global warming, life, love, happiness would be better. And of course, they blame themselves. Oh, I'm just a failure. And this was all because they counted. And then they got emotionally wedded to the counting. So what counts and what doesn't count? I've been talking so far about business, only not really, because we count the wrong things in business and we count the wrong things in life. We go to pieces when our business counts go off track and we go to pieces when our real life counts go off track. And remember, real life counts more. So where do you get caught in the counting? Some of us count who's done more housework, us or our spouse. Always a recipe for a healthy relationship. Some of us count the dollars in our savings account. Some of us count what someone does to prove they love us. Some of us count how pious our neighbors are. And all of it turns into judgment and from there into emotion. When the counting is going the way we want, we think, yay, life is good. And when the counting goes the other way, we get upset. But the upset is extra. It's our reaction to the counting. The counting doesn't cause the problem. It's our stories about the counting that causes the problem. So let's fix this. Let your counting be counting. Let your emotion be emotion. All of the scorekeeping, the counting, and the measuring is made up. It's fantasy. It's a convenient tool for making decisions, but it's not real. And it's certainly not worth turning yourself into an ogre, feeling horrible, and abusing yourself and your loved ones. What if you count and discover your bank account isn't high enough to send your kids to college? Don't get upset about it. Use it as information and change your savings plan. But don't beat yourself up. You can't do anything for your kids that way except set a bad example of how to deal with finances. Use the information to stay centered and work with the people you love to fix the situation. What if you count and discover your spouse overcharged on the credit card? Well, you can fly into a rage or you can sit down with your spouse, love each other tremendously, and decide from that place how you'll deal with the situation. I used the fly into a rage method several times and it didn't pay the bills, nor did it make me an attractive snuggle partner, even to our stuffed animals. The counting as information plus 
love, then problem solving, that way works much, much, much better. So what if you count pounds and discover that you have more than you want? Well, let's see. You can get depressed and then eat a chocolate cake to help yourself feel better. My diet advice, learn to distinguish a sugar rush from feeling better. Or you can realize that the number is just information that you can use to change your diet. If you're going to diet, doing it from a place of fun makes it, well, more fun. And if you're not going to diet, then at least enjoy the chocolate cake, for goodness sake. But don't let counting trick you into not dieting and also not enjoying the cake. That's just foolish. And what if you count and discover you're not as rich as the Darren, the Hereford MBA, despite your superior skills? Or you're not as rich as the goal you set at age 23? Well, you can call yourself a failure and jump out of a plane without a parachute. That's one solution. But maybe you can notice that a number is just a number, while you are an entire human being who has much more to offer than a number. Let me tell you, I used to program computers at the same place at the same time as Bill Gates, so I know we started from the same place. And surprise, surprise, he's the richest man in the world, so I guarantee you, if you're using counting to compare yourself to anyone else, my gap is bigger, I win the poor me game. So, now that we've settled that, go off and stop counting. Or, just remember that counting is optional. If you stop counting and look around, you just might find that you are warm, dry, full, and listening to a podcast, which means you can afford an iPod or equivalent MP3 player. So you know what? That's not such a bad place to be. Count when it's useful. Don't take counting too seriously and feel good either way. Move your attention from counting to living. Put your attention on the th just directly on the things that make you feel happy and joyous and grateful. And if you must count, count those things. And every day, count a little higher. It's your life, and only you can make your counting count. This has been the Business Explained podcast by Steve Robbins. You can find me on the web at www.steverobbins.com. Bye for now, and have a wonderful life.